Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening. All right, what's going on, everyone? And welcome to the first episode of Ripstop on the Record. Uh, this is Kyle, and I am the founder and owner of Ripstop by the Roll, and this is our new podcast. We also have Carter joining us today. What's up, everyone? My name is Carter. I'm the general manager here at Ripstop by the Roll. Uh, I'm a DIY enthusiast, and also I am pretty ruggedly handsome, and one time I ate an entire pizza, and I felt good about it. Mm. So yeah, we're pretty excited to get this thing kicked off. This is something that Kyle and I have definitely talked about doing for a few years now and just didn't have the time or the people that could set up microphones and stuff for us to be able to do it. Uh, but yeah, we're really excited and we're excited to dig a little bit deeper into talking about fabrics, components, uh, talking to some vendors that we work with and maybe even some of you guys. Um, yeah, so first up, uh, this episode is going to be talking about something that you might've heard a little bit before if you've listened to Kyle on other podcasts out there. Um, and that's basically the creation story of Rips Out by the Roll. Uh, and, but we want to dive a little bit deeper and ask Kyle some of the tougher questions that probably he hasn't been asked before about, you know, what his family thought about everything. And yeah, we just want to get in a little bit deeper than just the surface value. Blood type. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> all sorts of things, all manners of things yes. will be uh, examined. Yes. Um, but yeah, before we get started, uh, something that uh, Kyle and I are pretty passionate about, I would say, is craft beer. And so one of the things we want to do on this podcast is, is crack open a different, a different brew every episode. Uh, so for this one, uh, on short notice, I had to go over to the gas station and just find something that was there. I thought about getting some malt liquor or something, but I We call that a beer run, don't we? Yeah, yeah, went a little beer run. I thought that might be frowned upon, so we're, we're drinking some Voodoo Ranger from New Belgium. The Juicy Haze IPA, and we're gonna crack those now. That's nice. Cheers. Cheers. And the party begins. <laughs> All right, let's do this. I'm ready to podcast now. I wasn't before, but now I'm really ready. I think maybe a good place to start is is Appalachian Hammock, right? Uh, so maybe there are some people out there that don't know that this this company actually started from another company. Sure. Yeah that you had uh, with your brother. So could you explain <clears throat> how, how that started? Like how did Ripstop really start from the first memory you had? Sure, yeah, yeah. So um, I came home um, from working at a regular job as an engineer um, one winter break uh, for Christmas. And my brother was uh, just as a hobby making these hammocks um, up in my parents' garage, or in the bonus room, I should say. And, um, you know, he was, like I said, just doing it as a hobby, but uh, I got to talking to him about it and he had been selling a couple of them online. So I wanted to start some type of business and I knew I just didn't want to be uh, an engineer uh, forever. Um, and I just had this kind of something that was calling me towards being an entrepreneur. So I said, hey, like, why don't we work together um, and, and see what we can, what we can do with this. So. Uh, we got started um, and, you know, sourced the, the materials, so fabrics and different components, uh, carabiners, um, lashing and whatnot that you need to make a hammock. Um, and we worked together to, to get some of the, um, get some of the, 
components that he was using uh, changed out and things like that upgraded. Uh, but one thing that I'm sure if you if you hammock, you know that uh, a integral component of the hammock is the thing that actually forms the hammock, keeps your ass off the ground, uh, which is the fabric, right? So sure. uh, basically what happened is that at that time, um, this was maybe seven, eight years ago, I can't even remember now, but there just weren't a lot of, or I don't actually think there were any fabrics out there that were made specifically for hammocks. Uh, basically what people were doing uh, was buying uh, fabrics and then if they were made for some other purpose and then repurposing them for hammocks, right? So they weren't actually what was needed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, uh, one specific example I can think of is that um, we were using a one-time 1.9 ounce calendar grip stop nylon, right? So, I mean, this is like heavily calendar. By the way, if you don't know what uncalendared versus calendar means, we just made a blog post on this. <laughs> nice um, book. But yeah, so it was like basically laying in a trash bag because there's no breathability there. Yeah, yeah, heavily calendar. So one side is is matte and the other side is super shiny. It just kind of feels like a trash bag. And you know, even like not knowing a lot about um, hammocks and fabrics at, at that point, I was like, something just doesn't like smell right here. Um, well, that could have just been that he hadn't washed like it, but yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, like, something's not quite right. Um, so, like, I got the idea. I'm like, okay, well, why want to make this better? I want to use a, a fabric that is, like, actually, um, you know, built for, for this specific purpose. Um, I didn't think that that was any type of uh, groundbreaking idea. I just wanted to make the thing better. Um, yeah, that's an engineer so, thing to do, for sure. You look at it, you're like, like oh, my brother's, it, my brother's doing know. hammocks, but... I'm an engineer. Let's uh, see what we can do. Yeah, here. there's something yeah. here that we can tweak. So what we did um, is we went off and said, hey, we're going to design our, our own custom fabric, right? Like we want um, something that is built for hammocks, and that's what we set off to do. But the problem that we encountered is that uh, it costs a, a lot of money um, to, to make a custom fabric, um, and especially when you start, talk, start talking about doing it in different colors and, and whatnot. Um, and so, uh, we had to come up with a solution to that problem. Um, and my bright idea, uh, was to see if we couldn't start a, a side company to just sell some of that yardage, um, that we were creating again, just as a means to an end, um, for, for the hammocks, um, to, to other people in, you know, the DIY community or, or, or whatever. Right. Um, so we'd buy, you know, say 10,000 yards um, and then we'd sell off, right? Like, you know, half of that or maybe even like 80% of it. We weren't really selling that many hammocks at the time. <laughs> so the idea, though, was never to actually start a fabric company, right? You were actually just, you had a shit ton of fabric left over after you made the hammocks and you weren't just going to let it sit there. So you had to, you were just selling it off in some way and like hammock forms or whatever avenue yeah. at the time was what you were using to do that. Terrible. But you were never like, oh, at least at first you weren't, you didn't like immediately say like, oh, we were like, the problem is that we can't get uh, fabrics without spending a lot of money. Now, this was a means to an end. And the mm -hmm. end what, that we thought um, at the time, what we thought was the end at the time was it uh, was building a, a better product um, for our hammock company and building the, the hammock company and making better products for the community, um, but finished products. We weren't thinking about selling raw materials or, or any of that stuff um, at that time. This was literally just like a, a thing to, um, so we had enough money to do the, the custom fabric. Right. So as you started to buy these large amounts of fabric and make hammocks out of some and sell the rest, and you realize that like, whoa, people are 
people are buying this more than our hammocks. <laughs> um, what, what made you like, what was the yeah. point where you were like, Oh, it's not the, it's not the hammock that we want to be like purveying. It's, it's, it's the fabric. fabric. Like this is something sure. that is missing and we have the opportunity to, to capture that. Like how did that, sure. how did that, you remember that moment, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, it happened pretty quick, like within maybe the, the first couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> I think that as soon as we, um, one thing that we did is we had a, a little bit of a, so we wanted to test the idea first, right? Um, to see if this was just stupid and like anybody was going to buy it because we didn't want to get tie up a ton of money um, in, in this custom fabric. Like we wanted to know that it was actually going to work. Um, so we did a little test on hammock forums um, and basically said, hey, we've got 100 yards or 200 yards of something that, um, and we didn't make any money on it or anything like that. We just wanted to see if people would buy fabric from us, right? Because we'd never like sold fabric before. Um, so we made a post on hammock forums um, .net and basically said, Hey, um, we have about 200 yards of fabric. We'll sell it at, at this price. Um, it's really good for, for hammocks and things like that. Um, and yeah, uh, lo and behold, people wanted to, uh, were willing to give us their money for in exchange for fabric. Um, so we're like, okay, well, this seems like it could be something that people are interested in. Um, so that's what uh, prompted us to, to do the website. But back to your original question, um, I think really within the first week or two, um, I mean, orders were, were starting to come in um, and it was like, it wasn't the light bulb like didn't, didn't switch. Um, it's not like in the first two weeks we said we're going to stop making hammocks. Um, that, that came a little bit later, um, but you could tell that there, there was something there. Um, like it wasn't mm -hmm. just, um, wasn't, we weren't just our own customer, right? Like we started with one customer and that's, that's us, right? We wanted that fabric, but it just turned out that a lot of other people had the same problem that we were experiencing, which again was that, the stuff that was out there was shit. <laughs> I mean, it just wasn't, and not saying it was shit, but it just, it wasn't what was really needed for um, the DIYer or the small time, small business or startup. Now, if you're, you know, the Patagonia North Face of the world and you're a big company, right? Like you have access to all these top end fabrics, but. And lots of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can source like you whatever just you don't, want. And when you're starting out, all right, at least back then, you had to kind of work with what you could get your hands on. And to be frank, it just wasn't as good as what the big guys had. So I was like, you know, I, I don't, I don't like that. So let me see what we can do to, to fix it. And it just, um, it didn't dawn on me that uh, as we were solving our own problem, that a lot of other people could have the same problem. Um, but, uh, it kind of smacked me in the face, uh, pretty, pretty quickly in the first couple of weeks. Yeah. So one thing, um, that I, we've talked about this maybe a little bit before, but, uh, I've, I've asked you before, like, at what point did you realize you wanted to like, so that's the point where you're like, okay, we have something big, but at what point did you decide that, your heart wasn't in the hammocks and that it was in the fabrics. Cause you, I know that you have a, a passion for fabrics now, but at the time sure, you didn't yeah. know about textiles, but I know there's like a funny anecdote that you have about comparing yeah, yeah, your yeah. products to what is yeah, now so, one of uh, our main It's very vendors. specific actually. Um, so what happened is I stumbled upon dreamhammock.com uh, one day and I said, well, after about five minutes of going through their website, I'm like, <laughs> man, these guys are doing this like so much better than we are um, in terms of like making hammocks. Uh, and the options that they were giving people and, um, you know, like the build quality and just everything that they were doing was just to be completely honest, was better than what we were doing. <laughs> so I'm like, 
you know, but they were still using, not to say that they were using bad fabrics. I'm just saying like they, they were under the same limitations that, that we were right. Um, and that every other uh, mm -hmm. people were using like polyester taffeta tablecloth. Yeah, just like anything they can get their hands on. Mm -hmm. Um, end runs. Um, you know, like uh, stuff that's that's calendared and really needs to be uncalendared, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, like I took a look, uh, I took a look at that website in about five minutes and said, like, I don't feel like I can provide more value than they are providing. Um, like basically, I I can't. I don't want to say it like this, but I guess I will because it's honest. Like I can't beat them. Like there, if there's already somebody out there that's like doing something that's um, innovative, and um, I think they're really passionate about it, and I think I think they're bringing, in short, a lot of value to the market. Then, like I'm, I'm not. It just, I, my heart can't be in that. To, um, yeah, I have to find some other way to to bring um like my own unique value right and i just thought that specifically dream hammock was just killing mm -hmm. it um so shout out uh, randy indiana by the way <laughs> love you guys um, yeah yeah so i think that that was a definitely a turning point where i was like well um you know maybe there's something maybe like the way that we can actually bring value to the market um and the most of it is by supplying the market instead of um supplying the fabric supplying the market with raw materials um, and innovating in, in that avenue as opposed to doing the finished products. Cool. Yeah. So uh, next question, I think uh, this is certainly uh, pretty linear. I think for you, you can probably think back to these specific points of like the next big step in the business. So after you have uh, decided that Appalachian hammock is probably not the direction that you want to go and that you, you see that there's this avenue for innovation and, and putting your own spin and your own, uh, your own take on a, a missing part of the outdoor realm, which is the fabric. How did you take that idea that, okay, I realize there's something here. We're buying this fabric and we're selling some off and it's working. Did you keep your job as an engineer? Uh, and like, yeah. did you start out? Like, how did you, did you have the stuff in your apartment you were holding roles there or like, sure. how, what was the next step cool. um, in, in the process of, like when did Ripstop Mother have like an, a roof of its yeah, own, yeah, sure. if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I can just give you a quick timeline. I mean, we went from um, you know, day one um, to, uh, so day one, my brother was actually doing, um, he was actually 12 years younger than I am. So uh, there's a, a big age gap. So at the time he was in high school. Uh, or no, actually I think he was in middle school. <laughs> yeah, he was in middle school at that time. Um, but no, I mean, we started out with him doing some of the fulfillment. Um, so we get a, a an order for three yards and he would fulfill it in, in that same uh, workspace that we made the hammocks, right? It was, mm -hmm. Again, it was just a means to an end. So we started there. Um, and then once uh, he couldn't kind of keep up with, with what was going on, he had too much work and schoolwork and whatnot. We went from there to, oh man, let me think back to my apartment. Um, and then we went to a storage unit. Um, then we went to a bigger storage unit. Then we went to a bit, even bigger storage unit. And then we went to this fulfillment company that was, yeah, I don't even want to get into that. Those are the dark well, I ages. Think we, I think we Those should. Those are the dark right? ages. Um, but, uh, so what happened at the fulfillment? Place? I mean, I know you said you didn't want to get into it. Yeah, I so might I mean, be bringing like, up some, some old, sure, some yeah, old yeah. wounds here, but. Oh no, it's, it's all good. That's in the past. We, yeah, we put that in the <laughs> review mirror, but, um, yeah, I mean like, uh, so just for everyone that doesn't know, I mean, a fulfillment company is someone who um, basically um, specializes in uh, storing products, right? And then when they, and then they store product for a lot of different companies 
um, teddy bears, necklaces, um, you know, just think of an Amazon warehouse, right? But something smaller than Amazon. Um, and it's not just, you know, Amazon's products and things like that. So an order, when you place an order on a certain, you know, brand X's website, um, if that brand X has their products in the fulfillment center, then your order actually gets routed to the fulfillment center. And then the fulfillment center like picks it from a box and puts your name on it and ships it out the door. Well, it's basically we got, a third party doing all of the work for you, right? Yeah. As far as like the, um, the, the actual pick, order. like picking and packing. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, another one of my bright ideas. Um, they don't all work out, actually. As, really? Uh, as, it turns, <laughs> as it turns out, yeah, something I realized, but um, very surprising. Um, yeah, like I, I had the, the idea to, okay, well, let's, let's partner with a fulfillment company and then, you know, the orders I can focus on uh, doing the business stuff and like um, creating new fabrics and whatnot. But it was just a friggin' nightmare. Um, you know, like what we're doing is is not um just to give like the the people on the other end a little insight right i mean we're basically creating um it is manufacturing in a way because we're creating orders from scratch right it's not like if there are five items on an order it's not like we're going to five different bins that have that those products pre-packaged and we're pulling them out and then just putting them in a bag um, you know, we're doing three yards of this, uh, two yards of that, like 1.5 yards of that. And then we're sprinkling a bunch of components in on top of it. So, um, at the end of the day, it was just, I didn't put enough forethought into that. Um, it's like how complex that can get, um, especially when you're trying to, um, you know, incorporate, uh, both not only fabrics, but components and, and other things that people quite frankly, like need to, to make, uh, make a project, whether it's a hammock or a backpack or anything, um, it can just get a little more complex um, beyond the scope of what a fulfillment center can do. So that was definitely a time where um, I could have put a little more forethought into, into what was going on and avoided a lot of pain and heartache. Um, but <laughs> so were as they I like, said, those times are past. But so were they like cutting the stuff at the wrong lengths or? Yes. Oh, okay, you guys can't see this, but his face. <laughs> clearly it was, was deeply there was hurt. some strife there yes. it was um it, yeah, but there was know, a visceral reaction to what i just asked yeah it's um but you know it's it's like anything else uh you you live and learn um and uh you know i i definitely learned some some lessons in in those times so but anyways yeah so what's next after fulfillment center. all right we won't yeah. we'll never bring that so up ever the, again uh, ever the fulfillment center by the way not the fulfillment centers are fine for yeah we respect fulfillment centers for packaged items and things like that but just put some some thought into it um anyways after the fulfillment center um uh, i think i came back to my apartment by which at that time i had just it wasn't a big apartment it just happened to have it was like in an old uh, tobacco like warehouse. So for people that don't know, like Durham is an old, um, tobacco town, like it's really tobacco centric. Um, so a lot of warehouses and, uh, lucky strike used to be here, I, I believe, and things like that. So I lived in one, um, of those warehouses that had been, um, renovated for, you know, apartments and whatnot. And that apartment setup just happened to have two floors. Um, so, Next bright idea um, is that I was going to live in the top floor, right? And then bottom floor would be uh, ripped off by the roll. So <laughs> we came back to back to um, to my place and and moved into into the bottom floor. Um, from there, I think that uh, from there, 
yeah, then I'm just, <laughs> we moved so many times. I'm trying to like make sure I'm as accurate as possible. But I think from there we got our first place um, on on Ben Memorial. So first three thousand square foot uh, uh, warehouse and little uh, dinky uh, office space. But I mean, I say dinky, but man, it was that was an awesome thing to, to get the keys to, to that place because it was our own, um, you know, I mean, we were renting it, but, um, so this so, was around 2015 or 16. So just, just for you guys, I started working in May of 2017. Um, so this still predates me coming to the company. So I actually didn't, I've, I've ridden by the Bennett Memorial location and I've certainly heard some stories, but I, I haven't actually, been inside um <laughs> yeah. so with what time this was around 2015 2016 um this was about an hour an hour um a year and a half in i believe is when we got our first um was it a year and a half maybe it was like a year it's okay. been a year and a year and a half like from zero to to getting um our first space so pretty quickly you realize that um you're gonna have to have some space for inventory Yep. Because everything is based around, A, being able to, something we even struggle with now uh, is making sure that we have enough area to lay out and cut all the stuff you need when people start ordering. Oh, dude, you, you should have seen this bottom floor of the apartment. Like, so I had rolls um, of fabric like in the closets, like stacked up two and three deep against the walls. Like my friends will come down from Baltimore and they're like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I had the bathroom. So the, they thought the you were like on a hoarder or something. They were really going to get help for you. Bathroom in the top, bathroom in the bottom. Um, bathroom in the bottom was also down room. Yeah. So that was just like, you know, you, we know what the down. Yeah. It looks like, like a saw like bathroom. Saw bathroom. Yeah. You know? so, I would like to um, play a game. Yeah. And um, anyways, uh, but th that was, uh, but it was, it was still cool. Um, I mean, that was a, a time when I was doing everything um, by myself. So from the customer service to, um, you know, cutting and packing and, you know, handling like any issues that, that come up. Um, but, you know, like do you learn a lot of stuff. It's a lot of work, but you also learn a lot of stuff um, doing it, doing it yourself. Got it. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> that is hilarious. So along with, uh, you mentioned that your friends uh, coming in and just wondering like what, mm -hmm. Why does this dude just have rolls of material? Mm -hmm. Like, why does it look like he stole, he robbed Joanne Fabrics and uh -huh. is hoarding it down here? What did your family think about you? So, oh, a, another question I, I also have, which I actually don't know the answer to this. At what point did you decide to quit your job as nine, an engineer? Nine months, nine months in. So, yeah. so shortly before you got your first space, you were like, okay, I'm, I'm yeah. dedicated all in. So what did your family think? I mean, just from my perspective, uh, I think that I like, I would be worried to tell my family like, Hey, I'm leaving this, uh, pretty solid engineering job where I'm financially yeah. secure and I'm just gonna, I'm actually just gonna sell fabric. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, what did they think about that? Um, you know, dude, like I, I have to be completely honest, um, and give my family props. Like they have always been 100% supportive of anything that I'm doing. Um, and, uh, that is a testament to like the person that, um, like I've been fortunate enough to become today. Like they are a big reason for that. Um, they've supported me in my decisions and they're confident in, in what I'm doing. Um, so even like, you know, in the failures and the successes, so like really they, I mean, of course they questioned it. 
um, yeah. and maybe more so in their mind than uh, outwardly to me. Um, but yeah, they're basically their, their approach is, you know what, if, if he wants to do it and he's confident in it. And I told him, I told them that I was, um, uh, then they let me, they give me the latitude to, to run with it. Um, to run with things without being too, uh, micromanagey or, or without roasting like you that. at Christmas dinner. Yeah. No, this wasn't, um, yeah, there wasn't much of that. So shout out to moms and pops. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's good. I think it's definitely good to have supported, supportive parents. Uh, I, my parents have also been, been supportive, you know, um, except for the one time that I wanted to be on American Ninja Warrior. I don't mm. know if you've seen that show before mm-hmm. where they like run up the ramps and, yeah. uh, yeah, that was a goal of mine at one point, but okay. my dad just broke it to me straight. He said, mm-hmm. put it plain, son, yeah. same for you, buddy. <laughs> so I respect him for that. <laughs> well, I mean, there's different levels to that, right? I mean, you go to the, the tryout, right? So you can, you get your certificate and say that you've done it. But yeah, it's, it's a participation. participation. Yeah, but I, maybe I mean, you won't make it to like the I was, TV. I was but... seriously tying ropes and stuff on like – stuff hanging off our back porch and like trying to do rope yeah. climb and stuff. And uh-huh. I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, these guys pre- look pretty athletic, you know? Yeah. And I'm I, not just saying you ain't athletic. I'm just kind of sounds like you are. Saying yeah, that, well, I mean, I don't know. I Dude, just, I've stretched before. <laughs> I've done sports once. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, uh, I, I fell out of the bed on, I was, I was telling Kyle this earlier before one of our important, very professional meetings that we were having. Um, somehow I fell, I've never done this before. I fell out of the bed, Mm. just straight flat backed it Mm -hmm. on the hardwood floor. And my fiance, Ashley, like, welcome. was like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. But I I got into work the next day and I had like bruises. You can see them right now. I have like bruises on my arms and all over my back from falling on the ground. But anyways, that's just a testament to my cat-like reflexes and just, overall extreme agility yeah um but anyways my dad was right ninja warrior yeah unless the the goal was to fall out of the bed i probably wasn't gonna make it (laughs) very good yes all right so next so we've got uh your family doesn't judge you which i think is certainly a positive and you've moved into hashtag mom and dad you've moved into your first space yeah right mm-hmm. how how quickly before you realized that that space wasn't big enough as well um so like we had the initial space of three thousand square feet and then we got an additional um unit like in the same complex for another 1500 square feet um and that's where we put like some of the around that same time is when we uh, added outdoor rink and digital printing so basically the extra 1500 square feet, like everything went in, I think for the digital printing went into that, that unit. Um, but it was literally like, you know, maybe 50 yards away. Type, mm-hmm. type so you, so you're expanded at- on the original, uh, unit. Um, and then after that, I think we were at that location for like a year and a half. So to touch on outdoor rink, I think that's something that you haven't really talked about much in, uh, in the podcasts or interviews that I've heard from you. Normally mm-hmm. it's like, Hey, I, I was an engineer, had a hammock company, and then I figured out that I really liked fabric and then we sold it. Uh, but I don't think we touch much on Outdoor Inc. and some of the innovations that kind of happened after you yeah. realized that no one could, people couldn't find the fabrics that they wanted. Yeah. Um, so how did, how did you decide that, hey, I'm going to figure out how to do 
digital printing on fabric or like what, what was the process that just made you think of that? Because for me, that was one thing that attracted me to work at Rips Out by the Roll is that there were innovations like that mm-hmm. that nobody else was doing that I thought was really, really cool. Like it was obvious that this company in particular has always wanted and, and strive to be on the cutting edge. Yeah, yeah. So what, how did you think of that? Did you like see a painting or something that made you want to print or like, cause you're not very artistic. No offense. No, nah, dude. I mean, I'll be straight up on that one. Like, uh, not, uh, not attending uh, RISD or uh, anything like that anytime soon. Um, so, um, how did I, cut? yeah. So I think actually what happened is, um, and so we were doing, okay, let me just go back. Like we were doing, you know, things like, uh, via like woodland camos and whatnot right so mm-hmm. i had the seed idea from there I'm like okay well if there's a can is there is a way that we could do different prints um and i think some of this was like based on feedback from customers and whatnot um you know people asking for like a chevron print or um plaid like buffalo plaid and stuff like that or a flannel like print i'm like man I mean, okay so we can do this via rotary print but it takes like forever um, and you know, it's, um, there's just a lot of startup costs. Um, and obviously you don't have like the agility to make like one yard of that or five yards Can you explain what, 10 yards. Sorry to cut you off. Can you explain what rotary, rotary print means? Just yeah, yeah, not sure. in depth, but like, what does that mean? Yeah. So rotary print, um, is, I mean, it's effectively screen printing, right. Um, but it's just done with, with drums. So if you want to have, um, say like a woodland camo pattern where you have four different colors, right. So you have four different, uh, drums that have the, the pattern cut out in them. And then the ink comes through each one of the different four, four different colors of ink comes through each roller. And then the fabric's moving along. Um, and each roller has different ink and a different pattern etched into it. Um, and you go through the fabric runs across the rollers sequentially, one, two, three, four, um, and hits each one at the end. Um, you, you get your, um, your printed woodland camo fabric that comes out. Um, but, obviously like when you're doing that you have to there's some startup costs right like you have to make the the drums and the screens and things like that um and you're going to be limited with the number of colors that you can do because you can't have thirty six thousand like drums as you're running this fabric across right right? um and uh if you ever see like one of these lines what happens is just it takes a lot of of work and time to get things set up um and anytime there's a lot of setup time it doesn't lend itself to you know being able to do um, being real flexible on like doing like one yard or five yards like you have to do say two thousand yards right so um in my mind that was just kind of a non-starter like it works well for standard things that you know that are already popular like uh camouflage and and whatnot especially if the, the pattern doesn't have a lot of colors Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to get into injury, more intricate stuff, um, you're really looking at a different solution. And that's really where um, the whole the whole idea for digital printing um, came in. One thing that strikes me, I think, is just that a lot of this stuff is was completely new. Like you, you didn't something that I admire about you, I think, is that you you didn't really know anything about textiles right no. you're an electrical engineer by trade no so you weren't but yes but no yeah <laughs> you didn't you didn't come into the game knowing about what rotary print was or anything about that no. but because you believed i guess in the you knew that there was something special about it you just like did it you i mean i just like doing new stuff 
dude. Yeah. I mean, I could like never be uh, the manager of a, um, I don't know, like a, a chain store or something like that. I just, I mean, that's fine if that's your, your gig, but um, I just, I, yeah, I really feel like I, I have to be like spending, I have to be like stimulated and, and feel good about what I'm doing um, and feel like I'm bringing something extra to the table. Um, so yeah. And that goes back to the story, little anecdote about, about dream hammock, right? Of like, I can't add any, any more value here than I'm going to step back. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to create, uh, like try to make what I'm going to improve like 1% on what they're doing and like undercut them on price or something. Like it's just stupid. Um, and I don't, I never feel good about that. Um, and as far as I know, I'm only on this earth for one time. Uh, so I'm going to make the the best use of that time that, that I know how. So, um, that's just kind of getting deep into like my psyche or whatever, but, um, yeah, I didn't know anything about, uh, about fabrics or, or printing, but I, I knew that there was, probably there could be something there, right? I mean, I saw this happening for um, other markets, but it was not happening um, just at the fa- as the fabrics weren't, the high-end fabrics and application-specific materials were not happening for the small-time business owner, right? And specifically in the outdoor market, um, the same things related to in the context of printing uh, were not happening for, for those same people. Um, so that's kind of, that's how it happened. Sure. Yeah. I think uh, so a- along with, I think the, the obvious uh, basically we're on a timeline here where uh, we realize over and over that we need more space, right? That that's kind of how growth works. Yep. Um, but I think there's another timeline the separate of the actual physical space where you're also learning how to make your own stuff. Oh yeah. Right. Because there's a component to what we do. That's it's, it's about like the art or, or like the pride that you get in, in making your own gear. So for yeah. me, the way I got started, um, and knowing who Ripstop by the role was is that I wanted to, I got interested in hammocks. I played basketball for my whole life and eventually uh, couldn't play anymore. had some surgeries and, and that type of stuff. And while I was laid up in bed from an ankle surgery, uh, my father-in-law was really into hammocks and still is. Uh, he somehow got me like onto it. So I started researching about hammocks and this was probably, I don't know what year this was, probably like 2014. Yep. And so I just decided that I was going to learn how to make something. I don't know, probably just because I was poor at the time. I didn't want to buy something. I wanted to learn how to make it. Yeah. So I learned how to somehow I watched, I'm sure a plethora of YouTube videos, Mm -hmm. um, probably analyzed it way more than I should have. And I sewed up a stuff sack, I think. Yeah. I probably made like 7,446 stuff sacks that, they're sitting in my... So that was like the perfect stuff sack, you know, like the lines you got to the train Yeah, like how many like, stuff, like once you make one, it feels good that you made something yourself and you show your family and they're like, yeah, okay, this is why, why do you... So you made a so bag. Show me a bag. That you could buy at, at Walmart for... But it's the coolest bag. 75 cents. And so I, I probably made, you know, 7,000 of those. And, but it was so, it's so invigorating, I guess, to make something that's a really probably hyperbolic there but it it really does like if you if you've ever made something for yourself you know that when you step out of the sewing machine wipe the sweat off your brow and probably blood and tears and whatever whatever happened to you during your journey Mm -hmm. you're you're super proud of what you have so how did that play into 
like I assume that that played into your passion for not not just give not just doing something new, but it's also something that you liked doing, right? Because there's yeah. at some point you also decided that there should be a, a DIY component to rips up by the role in the yeah. terms of like having kits, mm-hmm. like do it yourself kits. Yeah. So what was the first thing that you made? Was it also a stuff sack? Was it, it was a stuff sack. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a story behind that. Basically when we were, um, you rewind to Appalachian hammock days, um, my brother, so I was running, you know, most of like the business stuff and whatnot. Um, and my brother was, was making the actual hammocks. Like I wasn't selling anything. Um, this is like really early on. Right. Um, and you know, things picked up over the months as months went on, things picked up a little bit. We had more orders per week. Um, and we got, we got to one particular weekend when he just literally couldn't finish all, all the orders. I mean, it was like 2 AM in the morning. We were still sewing. And I'm like, well, like, you know what? Like if, if he's like, you know, if he's doing it, I can do it. You know? So I'm like, you know, like whatever, just show me how to do it. I'm, we're getting out the other sewing machine. We're going to go too wide. Um, and I'm going to start sewing the stuff sacks and you can do, uh, you do the hammocks. Right. So, um, it was really born out of, of necessity. Uh, we needed to, uh, to get more throughput. Um, and I had never sewn anything, but I'm like, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. Um, and instantly I fell in love. Right. I mean, for me, like a lot of people, you know, there, there are different reasons why people DIY, right. It can be anything from, um, uh, relaxation to saving money to, um, you know, customizing the gear and making it something that's, um, made specifically for your needs. Um, for me, I mean, there's, I have like elements of that, but like, I really get, I think for me, it's, it's mostly just this, uh, basic, uh, feeling of turning like a pile of nothing into something. Right. So you start with, with fabric and some string and a little plastic part. And then uh, five minutes, 10 minutes later, or in the case of the first time, maybe like an hour and five stuff sacks later, um, <laughs> you, you have something that you can actually use. So as soon as like, I was, was able to do that for the first time, I was hooked, man. Yeah. I mean, and, and since I made those, I, mean, I went down to my mom and I, I showed my mom, I'm like, Look at, and then she looked at you there. and she's like, uh, this straight. You know, this line straight. It, yeah. And then she said, nah, and you, and you, and you could have been an engineer and this is what you're, <laughs> so you, you left where, uh, um, I was really, really proud of the, the straight line, you know, it's got to line up, line up perfectly. So, um, yeah, that was nice. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, um, for me, once I made that stuff sack, I started to make a lot more, right. I made, tons of hammocks and everything that you can think of multiple backpacks. I remember the first backpack I made, I ordered all the stuff from rips up by the roll and I was making it when I was home for the summer from college. And I actually converted my bedroom at my parents' house into like a little shop where I put like the plastic foldable tables up and put the fabrics out on them and was cutting them out. And I had a hammock stand that was above that. So, yep. I was living and breathing the the creation for quite some time. Yeah, I don't think I, I mean, so in terms of progression, um, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, you know, you have a lot of people start with, a ton of people start with stuff sacks, right? Because it's an easy thing to do. Um, I also think hammocks, at least you're, we're not talking about like the souped up. Uh, yeah, we're just talking jobs. like a, a we're rectangle. Like gathered end, yes. uh, whipped end hammock. Um, pretty easy. Right. Like, uh, it's a natural progression from, from a stuff sack. So I did stuff sacks, um, 
hammocks, like little different pouches and whatnot. But I think like the first time I worked with zippers is, is not until like you started. I don't think I worked with, was there, I mean, okay, maybe we did some like prototypes and whatnot, but yeah, I didn't make anything that I actually used, you know, on a day-to-day basis um, or even like, you know, going on, on a trip um, with a zipper until, until you started working here. So you're welcome. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's, it's really um, addicting to be quite honest, like make your own gear. Um, again, regardless of like why you do it, there are different reasons, but um, yeah, it's just being able to not, uh, to do something with your own hands um, and, and not have to rely on what someone else is telling you um, is, uh, you know, what's right for you or, um, you know, being dependent on what's on the shelf or, uh, you know, sizing and, and things like that. It's just uh, taking control of, of that um, is, is pretty cool to, to me. So what, if you could give yourself in, in that moment when you were making first stuff, Zach, although I think in your case, you were a little bit driven by competition, which doesn't surprise me. Um, what, what would you tell someone that was about to make their first item? If you're about to make your, or if you're thinking about getting into the DIY, you're kind of just like, you know, hanging around, but you haven't like actually, made the move yet and made your, your first item. Um, I would just say that the most important part is to just do it. Right. Because once I, I, I wanted to jump in and start sewing, but honestly I was kind of scared that, I mean, it was just like my 14 year old brother, like just banging his hammocks out and maybe he's got the train tracks going on the triple stitch and it looks great. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to mess this up. You know, <laughs> like there was some like real, like a fear of, uh, of, of failure there. I was like, okay, maybe I'm just like not meant to, to be a, um, uh, a seamster right um but yeah i mean so like to that end what uh what i realized is that as soon as i finally said you know what and it doesn't really matter like why i i, I was pushed to do it um uh, once i sat down and actually like started working with the machine like i went from being afraid and feeling like i incapable of, of doing this to like an hour and a half later i was just like parading around this thing that i've made you know it took me five or six tries but um, you know, zero to an hour and a half. And I was feeling great and confident about like what I did. And that was a, that was a cool thing. Um, so what I, my advice to someone who is getting started with DIY is to just get started, start sewing, like start laying down stitches. Um, and, uh, the rest kind of falls into place. Yeah. Okay. So funnily enough, I think that would be my advice as well. It's, um, I'm someone, and I think you are as well, that suffers from the analysis paralysis, right? Where I research like the, the right needle and do I have the right thread? And like, will this machine, will this sewing machine like sew yeah. through it? And is this the right material to make a stuff sack? And well, there are seven kinds of cord. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, just get in front of the machine and buy one of our kits and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and just make it. And even if you screw it up, you'll, you'll figure out that it's not that hard. And then it's from there, you, you just want to get better, at least for me. Yeah. Especially uh, like the, I mean, the $10 DIY kit, like that's, that's where literally that's where that idea came from. Like, okay, well you can buy this one kit that has everything in it and you can make three or four different stuff sacks. So yeah. Sure. Yeah. So now we start with the stuff sack. So yeah, I just wanted to cover the, the parallel between not the, because there was a DIY journey as well as the actual physical 
journey of moving the company from place to place. And, and to that end, I just want to get briefly to where we are now, right? So if we look at the timeline, uh, you were in the previous location and you expanded yep. that location. And then you got to a point where you're like, okay, well, we need an actual, we don't have enough space. We need more employees. We have too many orders. We need to stock more fabric. So yeah. you moved. And basically I think like one day after Ripstop by the roll moved into our current location is when I started. Yeah. 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 And we've been there. Another power. Yes. <laughs> there was no power. Yeah, we had no power. We worked so, by like... Uh, I don't think anybody knows this, but um, by we, we didn't have any power. Um, actually, in the location that we're, we're still in, right? Mm -hmm. um, we did not have any power for the first week and a half um, that we were in that location. We are working via generator and, uh, and floodlights. Um, <clears throat> and that is because... Um, I didn't uh, realize that I had to, uh, I'm just going to be straight up, didn't realize that I had to pay for the power. Uh, I didn't change the, um, the electrical into my name, so they came and cut that shit off. <laughs> just to be clear, at that time, I was not the general manager, so I had no say in this. That was purely his choice, oh just to God. be fully clear and yeah, transparent. That was, um, not to cast blame, but to fully cast yeah, blame. That, that sucked, but I mean, to be uh, to, to like give everyone props. Um, like the team was, uh, like they took it in stride. I mean, we were f literally fulfilling orders in the dark. Um, you know, sorry about those errors, by the way, guys, <laughs> long time ago, but, um, yeah, so that was that. Those are those times. Sure. Yeah. So now, uh, we do have power. Well, yeah. Uh, power. And sure. we've gotten to a point now where we actually have a second, location outside of the one that we were in um, that we had to expand into because we just ran out of space. Um, our, our inventory kept going out of stock uh, because not because we didn't order it, but because we didn't have any place to put it. We couldn't store. I mean, there was a, a literal time where we thought about getting some like storage containers and putting them in the parking lot yeah. so that we could house enough fabric to keep it in stock for the people that wanted it. Like stepping uh, over stuff and and we've been wanting to purchase a location. Uh, we've always had this idea of having like a ripstop by the roll headquarters that embodies everybody in one, in one spot, but there's been the COVID stuff and, and a lot of things have happened. Um, so at the time we decided to get, get a, a second, second warehouse, warehouse location where we could have, have some secondary storage. And then we, well, I'll let you, I'll let you talk about it, but we actually it, very recently have, secured our yeah, we'll headquarters still, yeah the final uh step in the in the timeline here right which is like kind of for future looking um so yeah i mean we've been looking for a, a place to buy for for a while um because we're just out of, of space in in the current uh gig um so yeah we have a, a new um well new to us uh 41,000 square feet square foot uh facility um here in durham that we're looking forward to moving into um, in the next year, six months to a year type deal. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, mostly because we're gonna we we actually just got done with a meeting with the architect a little while ago. Legit, man. We got an architect. Like we're gonna have. We're not just drawing uh, out on graph paper, carpet and and all kinds of uh, of, of good things. Um, a recharge room. Yes, it's, it's they have these things. They're called recharge rooms. Um, not a cafeteria. It's not a kitchen. It's recharge, right? Multi purpose. 
Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, it's going to be a good time. Um, and, and we're, we're looking forward to it. Uh, also makerspace, right? So we're going to have a dedicated, um, area within uh, the new building, um, for just making things and, um, sewing machines in there. And we're hoping to eventually, uh, potentially have some things like seminars and whatnot that we can have, uh, some of you guys, uh, into, into the shop to, to work on, um, on making uh, different items and, uh, to just like, yeah, commiserate and, and do what we do. Um, we all love making stuff and, um, and we share that with with all of uh, with our community and, and our customers. It's not just about selling the fabric for us. Yeah, we're also putting a, a basketball court outside, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so if you want to see Both me, legs. if you want to see me out there, you guys can sign up one on one with Carter. If you win, Thigh master. If you win, you'll never be seen again, and no one will talk about it because yeah. I'll hide it from the world. And we're putting in a shower, so if you get sweaty, that was like my biggest thing with the with the architect. We were like looking at all the blocking and the conceptualization and. Uh, I was like, wait a second, we need is we're gonna have to have a shower here. Like we get dirty. I've been trying to experiment with different shower wipes. I don't know if anybody, if you're a backpacker out there, you probably tried some different shower wipes. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Like it has a little menthol in it to cool you down. Um, and mm. I, I think Kyle actually gave you one of those to test out before. I don't know if you remember. Uh, I know I gave a few people them after we played some basketball. Mm, I haven't tested um, it yet. Yeah, I got to get on that. It's pretty solid, um, but a, a real shower is better. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's where we are now. We're we're starting construction on a new place, and the the sky's the limit. The sky, the sky is the limit. <laughs> um, so last thing, uh, well, I'm gonna wrap up, but before that, I want to give you a little rapid fire round of questions just to test that out and see how it goes. Okay. Because um, you're pretty mysterious, and people probably want to know about you. Well. Sure. Maybe, maybe they do, but I do at least. Okay. Um, so let's start with your favorite movie. Mm, Shawshank Redemption. Solid. Favorite beer? Mm, Dogfish 60 Minute. Favorite Pop-Tart? Mm, frosted Blueberry. Dogs? Cats? Dogs. Favorite employee? <laughs> the answer's me. The team! Oh, nice. Uh, um... Bridge hammock or gathered in? I actually like bridge hammocks. Fair. Agreed. Um, well, I was going to say tent or hammock, but I think we all know. Um, <laughs> hammock. I think we all know where where your allegiance lies there. Um, what's uh, the favorite your favorite backpacking trip you've ever been on, your favorite hike that you've ever taken? Um, so my girlfriend and I did a couple nights um, in uh, Grayson Highlands. So, oh Jesus, uh, there's a story there too. Um, never, I've never been to Grayson Highlands before, um, and I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this podcast have been there. Um, the wind and the, the temperatures up there can be uh, pretty brutal, um, and. Um, not exactly in line with uh, the temperature and conditions. If you're coming from, say, like Raleigh or Durham and you go up to Grayson Highlands, you're like, oh, you know, like it's 70, 60 here. It should be fine. Like I just bring a 35 degree bag, 40 degree bag. It's all good. Right. So that's what I did. Um, but yeah, man, like if I didn't have, <laughs> so we bring like 40 degree gear, maybe 35, 35 degree gear. And like I, Shit you not, if we hadn't had the 
bring in like toe warmers. Um, <coughs> I, I'm not sure like what would have happened, right? Because it was just, that was a miserable night. Um, I think that the toe warmers, not a sponsor, by the way, the temperature was maybe like, I mean, the temperature was in the twenties, but then the wind was just howling. Um, so you asked me what the, you, you did say what was the best. Um, yeah. So far you said what was the most excruciating thing that's ever happened. Yeah. So that, that was just like, so that was a learning experience. So I, I kind of like think of that as positive. Um, but, um, other than, uh, the bone chilling night, um that was a that was an awesome time so you know we hiked out but we did like a 12 mile loop um and this was a new girlfriend at, at the time um hygiene and um so that, that was a cool thing to for us to to do together um and not uh, haven't been together that that long um and like grayson highlands just has a lot of different stuff you know like the the ponies, the ponies and um, did you ride one didn't I ride know. one but uh i may or may not have uh fed one i think you're not supposed to do that but uh i don't know if i fed it or not or maybe it just came up and like stared at me because they do that you know they'll just like they just come out of the woodwork walk down to you and just like stare it's like they like they know the food's there you know what i'm saying so that's like what i do every morning in the refrigerator it was just like because we read you know like the stuff beforehand but um (laughs) anyways yeah that, that was a that was a great weekend Awesome. Yeah, I've heard parts of that story before, and every time I'm just delighted in Kyle's misery. So hopefully uh, we were able to give you guys a more in-depth look at what it was like to start Ripstop by the Roll and kind of where and, and put maybe a little more humanity to the owner of the company. Because um, I think that's something that uh, in a basic interview that you might see, uh, you might not get an inside look at what it was really like to be an engineer and just randomly start a, a business about fabric. Uh, but I know I had a lot of fun doing it and and this is just the beginning. Uh, I promise we'll also get better at being podcasters. Like Kyle mentioned, we have no clue what we're doing, but not a clue, <laughs> not a clue, but it's really fun. <laughs> and, and I'm excited to. It's outside of our comfort zone, I think. Right. And it sure. feels nice to step outside your comfort zone. I mean, I, I can raise my hand and say that. Like I, I don't, necessarily like love being on camera and uh and talking to a microphone but like once we get going it's actually kind of fun definitely and this is something that kyle and i already do we sit around and and drink some beers every once in a while safely and responsibly and we talk about the business and maybe that's why we've made poor decisions sometimes i don't know um so yeah we'll be doing lots of stuff on here we don't know what that entails yet but definitely want to get some of our cottage vendors on here and maybe talk, we want to do some different stuff. Uh, and maybe we'll even talk to you guys. Maybe Kyle can field some questions um, yeah. from, from some of our audience. And, and we can also um, do some uh, you know, asking of, and we want to hear like what you guys, we want to find out what you guys want to hear, right? It's not about, not about us. Nothing, nothing we're doing is about us really. So uh, we want to get feedback from you guys and understand like what you want to, what you want to hear and what you're interested in. So there'll be some of that as well. For sure. So we will start out by releasing the podcast bi-weekly uh, starting this Friday. Uh, please stick with us as we try to figure this out. And you can find our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe. Important. I know you want to hear us talk. Uh, but yeah, let us know what you think and, and we'll go from there. But we're excited to, to start this new adventure with you. Peace. Peace out. Love and harmony. We'll see you next time, guys. Thank you so much. I love you.